welcome to another edition of We Want to Talk About It Now. This is the first video one that I've done technically, even though I'm not going to use it, just you, Todd. We got Todd on today. We're finishing up our conversation from Into the Abyss Part 1. I think Todd is calling it the bridge or the cross between. The bridge between religious divide is that it? Conversations across the, con- the divide. The, the conversations across the divide. Yeah, I don't know why. For whatever reason, when you just said it, it reminded me of Far and Away, that movie with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, where they're there. It's a manifest destiny. They're trying to get their plots of land uh-huh. out west. Yeah, um, Far and Away, right? Yeah, for whatever reason, that's yeah. what I thought of right then. <laughs> um, so now that everybody, now that everybody's got to listen to that, um, yeah. So following up, the very first one was basically me complaining the entire time. And it's funny, the, the feedback that your feedback was obviously different than my feedback. But the <laughs> feedback that I got from, uh, from people was like, Alex, you seem so mean and um, combative towards, towards Todd. I'm just like, well, thankfully, Todd knows that I'm attacking an idea. And it's not even like your ideas. I'm attacking all of these ideas. But it's just unfortunate that Todd has to like listen to it and essentially be the sounding board for my problems that I have with uh, religion in particular. Uh, but I do just want to caveat that for anyone who's didn't listen to the first one. It's because I took it serious. I took I took my religion so serious to the point of severe depression every time that I broke the law of chastity. Like I I, I really believed in everything. So to so over time, as you start to realize that maybe like this isn't as serious as everyone else took it, it's a little frustrating. You get jealous. Uh, I think on ours, like we talked about, um, I don't want to get specifically into Mormonism, but keeping the Sabbath day holy, how we were, you don't watch TV, you're at home, you can watch Mormon videos, like the animated ones, or read your scriptures, pray, whatever, talk with family. And then other people would like go... Not, People would go swimming and all this stuff. Like we took it seriously, mm-hmm. anyways. But um, I think for you, because of the conversations that we've had, Todd, what I'm most curious about is a, a thing that I brought up during our conversation was how Mormonism is almost like the Greeks of old. And to flesh that out a little more, what I meant by that is each doctrine, each principle is a separate God. And it seems like in all of religion, depending on how fundamentalist you are, people will pick and choose the cafeteria Christian idea where you pick and choose what you want, similar to how the Greeks used to do it. There are Greeks who are all in and believed in all the gods, but then there were people who are like, you know what? I just like the party God. I just like Zeus. I just like whatever God it may be. And so I'm curious, Todd, who, if you were going to make an amalgam of all of the different doctrines, principles, things you've learned through your life of God, what, what's that God looking like? What's what, what are his, what are like his five focus things? God's five focus things. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's an interesting way of putting it. I like that. Um, so principally um, I'll start, I'll start theoretically and then get more to like why it, why it's uh, personal and important. So um, on a theoretical level, I think the scriptures uh, give a pretty good description or definition of what God is. Um, so the first one would be in Exodus where Moses is uh, meeting God and asks, who are you? What's your name? Um, and he says, I am that I am. Um, and so it's a description of self-existence, of being. Um, another one would be in the beginning of, God, of John, where it says everything that has been, um, uh, or no- nothing that has been came into being without him. Um, so basically, 
that God is the source of all things that are, and that everything that has been has that source in God. Um, so that is like a definition of what God is, and that's pretty abstract and theoretical. So that that'd be but that'd be like the first of the five. I don't know if I'll get to five. Um, the second would be uh, that uh, God is love, and I think that's a pretty good personal uh, and um, affective and emotional uh, principle to follow in understanding who God is and understanding what God is like. Um, and actually, I think I'll just leave it at those two. Those are those are the two um, big ones. And, and I guess you could say that those are, for me, those are the ways of thinking, okay, why do I uh, believe in God? Because I think that first one of God as being itself, as the ground of being, that's one reason why I believe in God, why I think it's a rational thing. Um, and then uh, the second one is God is love is that's why it matters to me and why I, um, why I love God back or why I uh, am motivated to, to be a better person. So one is existence and one is love. If I can just making mm-hmm. sure that I'm on, on point with you. Yeah. Yeah. So then that would needlessly lead me to the next question. Uh, not needlessly. That's <laughs> Um, to the idea of then what is love and how that is an expression, how you express it the way that this existence person wants you to express it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so love, that's a tough one to describe in words because it's, uh, I mean, it's principally a, an emotion. Well, I, I guess that's that's a... Uh, that's a position that one can take up. I mean, I guess love could also be considered actions, right? That it's acting ethically towards another person and doesn't really have anything to do with emotions, but uh, you demonstrate love to somebody by treating them in a, an ethical um, and responsible way. And I think that's, that's a defensible point. Um, But then there's also uh, an emotion of affection, which I think is also a part of it. I think both of those would tie into it. Um, well, do you know like the theory of, I was going to say large numbers, that's not it. The theory of like the more choices you have, the more disappointed you are with your choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this situation, I like that you have boiled God down to two things. One, just really it's the existence of love. God is the existence of love. And mm-hmm. I like the idea of a physical demonstration of the emotion of love being like God is like, cause that's, that's the scripture too. God is love. Yes. Um, yep. And so I think where the confusion then comes is to that expression of love. Cause as you're speaking, you say the thing, uh, treating others ethically, um, and then demonstrating that love to them as well. And then obviously it almost gets a little bit nitpicky and then it gets granular. Right. And I think that's mm-hmm. where the complication comes is, a lot of humans want to be told specifically what they need to do. Whereas if they could just take this general idea and then just try to live to that general idea as best, that guiding principle as best as possible. It's, it's almost like the, what would Jesus do? Like each time you ask right. a question, what would Jesus do? I think that's a, as much as like we make fun of that question and then like you add anybody's name, WWAD, what would Alex do? WWTD, what would that do? Like all these different like little joke variations of it. Yeah. It really is a sound principle, like especially mm-hmm. when you think of Jesus as the symbol of perfection. My concern is how with 
billions upon billions of people, you kind of teach that and get people, especially, I know that I have that I want to talk about free will. We obviously believe, at least how we grew up, that we get to choose. So I don't know if it's a matter of trying to convince people to change their behaviors, but at least I'll get it on the same page. Does that make sense? We're like, mm-hmm. we all kind of agree on on one thing. Because I, I, your statement, God is love and love, I, I love that redundancy, redundancy, redundancy. But I just don't see it in practice done very well. I'm not, I'm yeah. not this isn't a judgment of you. Right, just like yeah. people in general, myself included. Right, that, uh, yes. And uh, it's part of it also that uh, there's a lot of, unloving things that are done and practiced and said um, in the exercise of religion or in the name of God. So bringing love out as one of the first principles seems not to square with um, the way religion is practiced in, in the real world. At least that's a thought that occurred to me, but I don't know if that was something. And to be fair to religion, sometimes I think it's a better version of, no, I don't even agree with that. It's just, you know, the natural man argument mm-hmm. where yeah. every, we just have like these natural tendencies in air quotes for power domination is I think the two negative qualities that got, get, bring up, got, geez, Louise, get mm-hmm. brought up the most. Mm-hmm. And you get to, in religion, you see that power just being used under a religious context with this all being God as like the excuse for it. So I think yep. of Kings and Queens, the, the deity, I forget. I don't even know how you say that. It's too early in the morning for me to remember all these words, but like the God Kings and uh-huh. all of those different, different types using God who there's no way for any of us to know if God is actually saying that these people are God Kings or not. That's a frustration of mine, mm-hmm. but I don't want to go straight too far. Going back to, if you follow that principle that you initially outlined, there shouldn't be a problem, but I, I just don't know how you right. get everybody to get to that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's a, uh, that's part of um, why I think it's good to um, have these conversations, right? That, I mean, that's part of the reason why um, I've been wanting to talk with people. Um, and even though my own podcast doesn't officially have a theme, it kind of uh, has been picking up this type of topic of, uh, figuring out, okay, what are we doing um, with if uh, religion is a uh, is kind of a toolbox for thinking and acting? How do we apply that in uh, in the most effective ways? What does it mean? Um, and so, I I see I see a lot of uh, development in the history of religion that's had a lot of fits and starts, a lot of uh, uh, detours into areas that, you know, we definitely don't want to repeat. Um, But I think part of, part of what we're getting at here is there's this uh, trend toward Mm -hmm. being more universal and um, being able to encompass um, more than just a tribe, more than just your nation, but everyone in the world and maybe eventually all, all living things. Um, So one of the problems right now is that, there are lots of different religions and there's tribalism that goes into that. And tribalism is a very human tendency. We definitely see it with, with politics, uh, but certainly with religion as well. That Would you just started to cut, I know you're on a train of thought, but yeah. you really view it as a problem or is that just a word you're using to describe the situation? 
Oh, it's because yeah, you said it's a, pro- it's a problem that we have multiple religions. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, actually, I do think there's. Uh, I don't think it's a, a problem to be eliminated, but a problem to be addressed. So, I guess a problem more in in that first sense. I uh, like that. Or, I, that, that makes like sense. it's uh, it's something to think about and something to work <clears throat> through, but not necessarily eliminate. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. So. Uh, but the part of it that is a problem in the strong sense is that it creates this animosity between people of the different groups, right? Um, it can be a productive problem in people coming together and saying, oh, you know, this is, this is what I was taught. This is the way I've thing, seen things. How do you see things? And they look at the differences and maybe figure out some way to resolve them and, and grasp a higher, a higher truth. Um, but where that doesn't happen and it's just, well, we're either going to not associate with you, we're going to hate you, or at a more extreme level, we're going to kill you or annihilate you, then that's obviously, that's, that's the big problem uh, that should be eliminated. Um, but I'm interested in the other, the other process where people get together and figure out, okay, how do we, how do we distill uh, the truths that are common to us and figure out a way to make them universal so that everybody is ultimately part of the same tribe. Uh, so Jesus had this uh, line of loving your enemies. One way I've kind of thought of that is just don't have any enemies. Uh, but, you know, that's not always our choice, right? Some people, sometimes people are enemies to us, whether we like it or not. So uh, we should love them. But I think even better is to try and to make enemies not enemies anymore. Uh, and so that we can have uh, this principle of God is love being applied um, everywhere. Um, but that's a very long-term process. So the Bible is a story that goes over thousands of years. And I don't see it as something that's complete. I, I see it as ongoing, um, probably think, as, long as, as long as there are people. Do you think it's a long-term problem that will be fixed? Not necessarily in our lifetime, but that... Obviously, at some point, whether you believe or not, the world ends. But like, do you think it's one of those problems that we'll be able to fix before that we meet that end? Before either yeah, yeah. God steps in and stops it? I mean, technically, from a Christian standpoint, the world has to get terrible before Jesus comes back anyways. Mm-hmm. So I just imagine, at least from a religious standpoint, no. But I don't know. I'm just so, I'm trying to be more optimistic. I know that I come across as super pessimistic, but I've just been really encouraged by a lot of private conversations I have. Uh, mm-hmm. Public conversations have not been that great, not just for religion, <laughs> but like for yeah. every everything. Yeah. And there really are a lot of people who are just like, I don't care, man. Like, I'm just here for the ride. And so I think that we can yeah. solve it, but then that almost spits in the face of Christianity and all religions by saying like, yeah, we can solve this problem. Like we can fix it before Jesus has to come back. Yeah. So um, there's this uh, idea in uh, Christian theology. uh, I think it developed in the 1800s. So it's premillennialism and postmillennialism. And the idea of uh, premillennialism, and I always get them mixed up, but I think it's premillennialism. Premillennialism is the idea that um, we can um, create, um, create the, uh, paradise state um, or the conditions of the millennium before Christ comes and that it's uh, largely something that 
um, is done by humanity, that is not just brought about by pure uh, miracle or divine force. Um, and then the opposite view being that um, there's kind of this culmination um, of things just getting horrible and then resolved uh, by divine force. Um, scripturally, I think that that's not as clearly in the direction of uh, death, pure death and destruction leading up to uh, Christ's coming as it, as we might think. Um, so the book of Revelation isn't, uh, isn't the clearest of books <laughs> and, and what it means. And, and, uh, and it probably applies. I disagree. More... Have you not read section? Oh, I don't even, uh, not even going to be able to land the joke. Just keep, sorry, Todd. Sorry. I interrupted you. <laughs> no, that Joseph Smith said it was the Joseph Smith the, the clarifications. Yeah, clearest the clarification. It's very clear. Yeah. Um, but it, it probably has more to do with uh, stuff that was happening back in the times it was written um, than than now. Um, so it's it's not all it's not altogether clear that uh, probably the most famous narrative of uh, the world getting worse until God fixes it uh, apart from us um, become is is the is the correct narrative. Um, so I think I think it's possible that. Uh, it is uh, resolved also by human efforts. Would you want it to be clear? Like, just like steps laid out, like not just the book of Revelations, but just like to know exactly how everything is going to end. Cause that's kind of a topic that came up in our last yeah, one. It's like, yeah. even if we knew everything, like I know, so this is a really good example. So I know, for example, alcohol, I know alcohol is, long-term bad for me, but I will still mm -hmm. use, I'll still use it on occasion. Um, and so I think even if we know everything, we're still not going to conform perfectly with that knowledge. Yeah. Is that something that you'd even want? I, I think uh, all of us probably want it uh, at some level. Um, I don't know if I, I, I really like um, figuring things out. So I think I would, probably enjoy having it, but it not being perfectly transparent because that might be boring, but that, that's more of a, mm -hmm. a personality thing. Probably um, if I were just to draft the, the fabric of reality and say, okay, this is how I want things to be. I would say, yeah, let's, let's make a clear instruction manual that everyone can read easily and understand. Um, I, I mean, probably most people would say, yeah, that would be nice. Um, but that's just not the way things are. So. Um, it's it's just a counterfactual, but I mean, I, I get to, I get the point that okay, why can't things be that way? But and I, and I'm, as you're talking about, it, I don't even know if I would want that because the Andy Bernard quote is one of my favorite quotes from the final episode of The Office, where he says, "Don't you wish you knew you were in the good old days before they were over?" Hmm. Um, so yeah. I sometimes I feel like just knowing everything and how it's going to be and would probably kind of ruin it. Um, there's something special about looking back. There's a reason that we have, when we get together with people that we've had in our past and our histories, that there's something nostalgic and enjoyable about it, just reminiscing about the good old times. Mm -hmm. But if we already knew what was going to happen, I wonder how interesting it would be to talk like, oh, well, we knew that that, anyways, it's not a very important thing. Well, but I think it's, it's, it's more uh, fun not knowing. Yes. Now, I, 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 to uh 
to be fair, I think that there are, especially ethical instances in the way that we treat other people where it would definitely, I would want to say we should have that clearly uh, laid out. Like I think it, for certain things that are a little bit more uh, mystical or abstract, um, I do think there's uh, an element of enjoyment to it. I certainly have it, but where it's like, okay, um, how are we going to treat people? Um, or like, is uh, is homosexuality something that should be uh, completely condemned or not? Um, Great where, question. You know, those type of things. Um, if, uh, if it's uh, not, and the Bible leads us to think otherwise, you know, that's, uh, that's something where it's uh, something that, disturbs me right like that um the fact that it's uh leading us in one direction and now maybe we're thinking that things are otherwise um is uh is a problem um and 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 that's one thing where it gets back to um i yeah i wish it were uh i wish in that case it weren't something that was just developing over time and that we could um spare ourselves the heartache that comes about in that process. Um, but uh, that's just not the way things have worked out. So uh, we have to do the best we can with, with the way things are. How do we, so long question. So how do we figure out what is true and what is right? I keep seeing people s- posting things. It's like, right is right. Wrong is wrong. And it's like uh-huh. that first off, that's meaningless. Right is right to you. <laughs> wrong is wrong to you. My right, right is different than your right. Your wrong is different than my wrong. Because uh, like I think in like the Old Testament, I'm just like, and I know it was the old law and that's usually what they say, like the specificity that is provided to them about what they have to do. And mm-hmm. obviously this is just for Christianity. It doesn't seem to be as specific now. And generally it's for very stupid things. It's not for things that make a difference in, in reality. It'll be like, you can walk. I just offended the entire Jewish culture. You can walk a thousand steps today. Like it's weird how where we where God decided to be super specific and yeah, not that's not in the Bible, by the way. But just so you know. uh, yeah, 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 fair, yeah. fair. Uh, <laughs> but there are is that like it, what is it in for a learning experience? Um, but are there some thi- like that maybe might be not the, that specific law, but yeah. are there weird like specific things where it's like yeah, yeah, oh, definitely okay. Um, okay. ritualistic things, yeah. Um, but the, essentially the question is like, I don't even know how one comes to a knowledge of truth when there are so many, like this, it, like I said last time, I was like Joseph Smith, just trying to find what the, there's so many different options out there. How does one even find what is and isn't correct? And once again, is it even worth exploring? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, on the, on the second point, is it worth exploring? I mean, I, my, uh, my <coughs> element of faith here is that it is. Um, and that's, that's really what, uh, gets me into this whole project in the first place, uh, both in, uh, uh, religion and in philosophy that, um, that these are things that are, uh, engaging, energizing, um, and, uh, very much worth exploring. Um, although I I say it's an element of faith because I can't, that's not really something I can prove other than to just say that, uh, it's something that, uh, I experience, um, and makes uh, my life um, valuable and uh, one of the things that drives me, right? Um, and that's, that may be one of the things that uh, um, characterizes me as um, as uh, an enthusiastically religious person, um, at least one of the things that it does. Um, 
but uh, I'm trying to remember what the first part of your question was. How we discover the truth. How do we discover truth? Yeah, well, that's... And, you know, it sucks. <laughs> and like, just to be fair, I, I want to try to have as few semantic things as possible because it's like, I know yes. that, I'm not that you're going to do this, but like, I know people go, well, what type of truth are you talking yeah. about? I just mean like, whatever truth means to a single person of like being able to, we all can agree that this is a thing we should be doing or not. Doing. Yep. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's a good point because uh, one of the things I'm trying to do also, I mean, I, I do use a lot of, uh, uh, on the one hand, I do like using uh, uh, jargon and things as I get into stuff, but um, more in the conversations and stuff where um, it's, I want a wide audience. I want things to be relatable um, as like this whole Thank you. project, <laughs> not just to you, but <laughs> I could say anything to you. Um, so, um, Okay, but yeah, how do how do we discover uh, or understand truth? Um, yeah, I agree. It's it, it's a it's a big question. I mean, reason obviously is uh, is one of the big things, right? So just looking at ideas and understanding. Okay, if something um, if there's a contradiction in or inconsistency in the way that we're thinking, then uh, that's an indication that something's something's uh, in error, right? Um, so reason is definitely one. Um, looking at uh uh empirical facts uh you know so so basically this this i haven't gotten to religion so yet imp you know, empirical these the meaning empirical meaning things that can be tested and right yeah them. yeah things in things in the world right so you, you know either know my audience <laughs> yeah. so, they're, yeah, gonna, uh, they're gonna need help with that word because uh, i i needed help with it about no, uh, no problem <laughs> <laughs> so just looking at the way the world is around you and um and and seeing it uh testing it if it gets to that point but usually we, you know just regular people were just looking at looking at the way things are um so those are so yeah reason and and just looking at the facts uh, of the world around us are are two of the big ways of understanding truth when it gets into um uh like right and wrong um and ethics um i think it can work for that as well um so on the second point of like looking at the way things work, the way things are, just paying attention to uh, people around you and how they respond to things. Like, okay, if I do this, does does that hurt someone? Um, does that hurt their feelings? Does it hurt them physically? Um, probably more these days, living in a relatively civilized society, it's going to be more hurting feelings, um, offending people, which, um, yeah, that can go overboard. But, you know, by and large, we should try. Uh, not to do that. <laughs> Isn't it so awesome that we live in that time though? Sorry. Keep it going. is very nice. Yes, it is very nice. <laughs> our feelings are what we have to be concerned about not getting our hands mm -hmm. cut off. It's definitely progress. <laughs> definitely progress. <laughs> go, go humans. Doing, yeah. so, doing so well. Right. Um, and uh, so, um, and then uh, I guess I haven't mentioned uh, scripture yet, but I do think um, scripture is, uh, is a source um, for understanding truth. I don't, it's not, uh, for me, a primary source, um, as it would be for somebody who's like, uh, an infallibilist. So that, or basically meaning like the Bible is, Scriptures. um, yeah, it's, it's accurate and Perfect. no errors. It's going to lead you, um, around, uh, truth in, in, in all instances. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, Sorry, that was cheap um, and not even very funny. Now, now that's not the way that I, I view the Bible, um, but I, I would say I do take uh, the Bible seriously. So for men, at the beginning of um, our conversation here, uh, you talked about uh, taking things uh, seriously. And um, 
uh, I would want to say that I, I take things seriously as well, um, even if uh, that's sometimes uh, with qualification um, or, um, yeah, it, yeah, just that uh, um, I may need to add uh, appendices to certain things. So, like, uh, take, taking the Bible seriously doesn't necessarily mean um, that I'm going to take everything at face value. Um, but, uh, you know, just having, I, I read, I've read the Bible through many times and, and still doing that and trying to understand it. I, I find it a, a very interesting um, collection of writings. Um, and I do think um, it is a fundamental part of the history of God or, or of the actions of God in history. So um, would I say it's true? Yes, I do. Uh, I do think the Bible is, is true. Um, um, from the, from the broad view, but I do think there, there are things in it, um, that are not. Um, and I mean, there are even, there are even parts of the Bible that, uh, contradict itself in factual matters. Uh, so like in, in first and second Kings versus in first and second Chronicles, um, I mean, that's not that interesting, but just where it talks about, uh, uh, different uh, numerical quantities of things that happened or, or factual or historical events. Um, it's probably more in the, uh, uh, the moral things that uh, are more interesting to people, like if the Bible says uh, such and such. But we know even from the Bible itself that there's development, right? So in some parts of the Bible, it says that you shall not eat this type of food. And then later it says what God has cleansed, don't call common. And that you can basically eat all things that God has made now. Um, it's uh, not exactly a contradiction. It's a development. But um, I think that is instructive. So um, basically what I'm getting at is, okay, so how do we, how do we um, come at truth? Um, there, are, there are ways to get at the more intangible truths through texts uh, that are part of human history. Uh, and the Bible is one example of that. I think it's probably one of the most important, uh, but also in literature and poetry is another example where it's stuff that you're not looking at it in the same way as you would for uh, scientific truth. Um, but in um, understanding um, what it means to live a life, to live in a society, uh, you're pulling insights from those, either uh, by what it says or just from the process of interpretation, uh, you're learning things. Poetry and art, you're specifically referring to all poetry and art, not necessarily religious poetry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're comparing these religious texts that we have to the general poetry and art that we have in reality. and not that the Bible isn't real, but um, similarly saying that the Bible itself is also that poetry and art. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, uh, very similar uh, application. I think it probably makes more sense to uh, read the Bible in that way. I mean, it, um, it definitely uh, the Bible isn't something that's going to be, or that should be read as uh, a textbook of, of raw facts. Um, so, um, I actually do read textbooks sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, you really got to stop admitting stuff. I, I know, I know. Um, and they are nice and it's just like, it's direct. It's like, okay. Um, here's... I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for the, the, the conversation we have. We're like, yeah, I killed a family of four, 10 years ago. You admit to some weird stuff, Todd. But I love it. I love it. I love it. At the same. It'll, it'll the, be mentioned as, just parenthetically but, but as i'm being right there so nobody thinks i mean to talk i also just want to state like you are one of probably like 
10 to 20 people in my life where every time I have the conversation, I just know the rest of my day, I'm going to feel good. Like just having this conversation, listening to okay. time, it's like, you want to know what? There's hope. There's hope in the world. So, sorry. So keep going. Poetry and art in the Bible. Sorry. No, that's good. No. Um, so uh, yeah, with, with, with the Bible, it's, um, it's, it's, closer to those. Uh, I mean, there is, there are historical facts in the Bible, certainly, but um, it's going to be more, it, it's more stories, right? Uh, there's, there's a lot of poetry in the Bible. Um, there are stories in the Bible. Um, and it's just the kind of thing where people bring um, their ideas to it and bounce them off of it. So like in um, uh, rabbinic interpretation of the Bible, I mean, there are reams and reams of uh, commentaries. Rabbinic, meaning a rabbi. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in the history Jewish of Jewish story. interpretation, yeah. right? Um, there, there are reams and reams of uh, commentaries that have developed over hundreds of years that are much, much longer than the Bible itself. But um, people interacting with it and coming up with ideas in response to it. And uh, um, in a way similar to literature, right? I mean, uh, the, uh, the way people respond <laughs> to Shakespeare and... Um, uh, vastly outstrips anything in quantity that Shakespeare ever said, but that's because um, he, there's, his writing is so dense uh, in, uh, in possibility. Um, so yes, I, I do um, approach the Bible um, more in that way. So partially symbolic, partially factual. There's oh, a, yeah. oh yeah. If, if you're going to put a number on it, <laughs> how much would you say is more the symbolic storytelling and how much is actually real events that occurred? Um, I know it's hard, but hey, yeah, you yeah. yourself admit it. You've read the Bible a billion times, so you should. I be should able have, to have that number, number right? Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, I, I think the uh, events that occurred is is pretty high because a lot of it is. Um, so in in the middle of the Hebrew Bible, a lot of it's just the events of uh, political events, right? Uh, of the different kings and that. Um, so in Old Testament, it's probably about. Uh, uh, 30%, maybe that's uh, historical. Um, and then a lot of it's like, you know, if Psalms. you get into Proverbs, Psalms, uh, yeah. Job, um, all those, I mean, uh, those are, uh, those are poetic books. Um, or the books of the prophets, it's, it's kind of hard to say, are, are they, his I mean, they're historical because these were real people. Um, but they're not, that's kind of a, that's kind of both, right? So it's, it's historical and also prophetic. Um, the uh so for example isaiah was a real person i mean that's pretty pretty much a consensus view he was a real person um and wrote the things uh that he wrote i mean it's been transcribed several times but it's probably pretty close to what he said um so is isaiah history or is it uh, poetry or is it prophecy i mean it's kind of all of those um and then uh the new testament um definitely uh that's, you know, history in the sense that we have it today is very different from then. I mean, uh, it's not meant to be as uh, <clears throat> a documentary history um, that's just relaying facts, right? I mean, yeah. there's definitely um, lessons that are meant to be taught in it uh, and things that are um, uh, changed in the story to make things fit together. Like um, a lot of the scholarship in the New Testament looks at the ways Mark uh, arranges things versus the way... Matthew arranges things for a narrative effect. Um, but uh, I mean, the, uh, just the fact that Jesus lived and probably did most of the, most of the things that are um, written in those books, I mean, I think is 
uh, a pretty safe uh, thing to say. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, I, I believe that uh, Jesus Christ uh, was resurrected. You know, that, that is one of my uh, literal beliefs. Um, but uh, it's probably the case that some of the stories aren't exactly the way things happened, you know, because they were uh, transmitted orally over a long time. So I don't think it's necessary for orthodoxy to think of it as like a, a frame by frame uh, um, reproduction of, of the history. But. So another problematic thing, as you've been describing that is we're focusing pretty heavily on, I, I know that we tried to, we talked that we wanted to stay away from Mormonism. So what we did is apparently focus on Judaism and Christianity, mm -hmm. but then the problem is, and I'm being generous with numbers here, 2 billion out of the 7 billion people on the earth probably don't. I mean, except for what the first like six chapters of Genesis for, um, for Islam. Um, do you feel like it is your responsibility as someone who believes in these things to then go, all right, these 5 billion other people, they need to also believe that the Bible and Jesus are, Jesus was resurrected and is the Christ. Like, do you feel like that is part of, your calling in life? Uh, sort of, but not, uh, not as in it's, um, it's not as pressing as it would be for like a, an evangelical. Um, so, um, so for somebody, somebody who's a uh, Muslim, for instance, um, if it, it, do I feel like I need like the whole, uh, all those uh, countries of Muslim majority populations that they need to convert to Christianity. No, um, I don't think that's necessary um, for either their um, uh, mortal existence or uh, eternal existence. Um, um, I think uh, we mentioned last time that I'm basically a uh, universalist in thinking that uh, um, whatever the afterlife is like, we're probably going to be uh, taken care of um, in a good way. <laughs> um, and, uh, that's just, <laughs> thank you for the clarification. For, for, for clarifying. Dude, they, I could just tell by your voice. It was positive. It was like, we're yeah. going to be taken care of. Yeah. Then I would have known it was the bad way. <laughs> um, um, but I do think that, uh, uh, Christianity is true. Um, and I think that it, uh, um, has, even in just a, a mortal life, um, has a lot to um, uh, recommend it. Um, and so in that way, um, I, I would say yes, I, I would want to uh, at least share my thoughts with people. And, and if they feel, feel that uh, um, they want to adopt them, appropriate them, or even convert, then, uh, then that, would be, that would be wonderful as well. My, my focus is, uh, or my interest is more in um, bringing uh, Christianity um, as an option, something to investigate uh, to the secular world again, because I think if you're going to connect with uh, human history and Western culture, the culture of Western history, you have to have some type of connection via Christianity. Because um, without that, I mean, you're going to be pretty much cut off from a lot of, of the... Uh, the treasury of, of knowledge and um, uh, ways of thinking and uh, approaching life that have been accumulating for 
uh, for hundreds of years. Um, and a lot of that has been through Christianity. And, and part of that is also even pre-Christian. So like um, in uh, Greek history and Roman history, I think also that's important to um, use and be aware of. But, but for the last 2,000 years, Christianity has been uh, uh, the vehicle for a lot of those ideas um, in ways that I think uh, uh, secular people should engage with, whether they want to say, oh, I'm going to be Christian or I'm going to convert. Um, I think it's something to um, understand and appreciate and be aware of and, and utilize. But, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I feel like you're giving a lot of credit. Like I understand that Christianity has been the popular religion for like the last 2000 years or whatever, but I still go back to, but we're discounting uh, two thirds of the world still. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I agree like for western yeah, culture well, absolutely i mean this uh, is like, where I, we are right I, I, so a face value as you said like when you're looking at just western culture um absolutely but then also you threw that caveat in there that was nice as well where you said you know we should also look at greek and roman history since that also has influenced a lot of a lot oh of yeah and, and well. that's not even a caveat that's i mean that's pretty central to what I, what interests me like I'm just still concerned. And honestly, when I say concerned, I mean for the entire human race, I guess. I'm mm -hmm. still concerned with ha like what's really important that somebody knows. Because I don't feel like Christianity was the vehicle, or, or even religion for that matter. matter. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it was like, all right, we can't kill each other because there's this bad place that you'll go to after this life. Or there's this good deity in the sky that doesn't want us to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I think humans just realized from an evolutionary standpoint, it wasn't beneficial for us to kill one another if we wanted to thrive because then you yeah, I, I actually start killing each other in war and whatnot. But I, that's I think that's, I don't think that's completely, yeah, I don't think that's historically accurate entirely. I mean, uh, so uh, part of that, you know, it's hard to say because there have been billions of people in in this whole process but um the valuing of of human life that's not um aristocratic um i think has been a very <laughs> christian idea um so for example <clears throat> in uh the transition from uh roman paganism to christianity definitely had a shift in the way that uh, we're going to view people who um, could be previously seen as defective or just not mattering uh, because uh, wealth and status were um, okay. definitely a major issue. Um, so like in, uh, so, so in uh, Greece, for example, Achilles had the option of just living out life, uh, a long life as just a commoner and nobody or being a great man who would die in battle at a young age. And he wanted to be a great man because that's what everything was, uh, where, uh, Christianity brought in this idea that no human, all human life is important. It's not just about nobility, uh, about, uh, uh being a great person. Um, the, uh, you know, Jesus was not, um, a person of significance. Um, that's why he was crucified as a commoner in the most degrading manner possible. And, uh, we made this person into our God, um, you know, either made him or, or just recognize that as the fact, right. That, uh, God was 
the lowest of the low. Um, and have we been consistent with that? No. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that in a lot of human history, especially the uh, fight against slavery, which lasted for several centuries and is arguably still ongoing, yeah. um, that that was inspired by a lot of people who took their religion seriously. Um, and to the extent that uh, to the extent that it was overlooked, it was either done by people just not taking uh, Christian injunctions seriously or uh, torturing the concepts in a way that they could use to justify it. Uh, I mean, it's usually, uh, it's often brought up that Christianity was justified by uh, the story of Ham and uh, the curse of, of Noah on Canaan. Um, and yeah, that's true, but I, I think that that's not the weightier side of the story of Christian engagement with slavery. Um, abolition was definitely um, uh, religiously inspired. The civil rights movement was very religiously inspired. Um, and even back in the days of, of the conquest of the Americas, you know, we look back and, and think, well, you know, Columbus, he was just a product of his times. He was just doing what was normal. Um, far from it. Uh, so, um, uh, de las Casas, uh, was one of these friars that was over there and he was appalled by the way that, uh, that the natives were treated and wrote a book about it, uh, that caused a scandal, uh, in Spain. And, uh, and unfortunately it, uh, had some unintended consequences of abandoning the uh, slavery of the natives and starting the African slaves trade, which is very unfortunate. Um, but yeah. Um, but uh, the point being that uh, it's not like people have only realized in the in the 19th or 20th centuries that, Oh, you know, we should treat each other nice or uh, we should not kill each other. Um, it's been applied, I think more consistently uh, because of developments of stable governments and, um, and changing norms, but uh, um, but you know people realize for um, hundreds of years that yeah we shouldn't be killing each other we shouldn't be enslaving each other um, that those things are are definitely wrong. So do you think Christianity is the best? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know that I would say it's the best. I I do th uh, it's what I believe and yeah. I think it's true. Um, whether as a tradition, it's what leads to uh, the best life and greatest insights. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really prepared to say that um, because I think there are other traditions uh, in the world that have uh, great insights. So like, I think it's easy, it's easy to idealize um, the other, um, but uh, I do think- true too? Like you say, I, I think that Christianity is true. Do you, is that just meaning like it's a valid thing to follow and try to apply to your life or do you mean true? Partially. Um, well, so, so partially, right. That means, cause I know like in Mormonism, like I know the church is true. What always yeah. meant, ours was like 100%. Like we have mm -hmm. the full circle and then there's some people who would do their, um, what's this called? The, uh, the two circles Venn, that Venn are diagram. Then Venn diagram, and like uh -huh. we had, we ours was perfectly matched up. So what God wanted, what our church had, and then like other churches just kind of match up a little bit. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. 
Well, so I remember uh, when I was on my mission, uh, I was, uh, we were having lunch and my companion was writing, just kind of jotting in his notebook um, and just thinking about things. And he was looking at that question. I was like, okay, so, you know, we say the church is true. What do we mean by that? What does true mean? And I, I don't think he ever uh, really followed through on that thought or re resolved what it was, but, um, but, you know, but, but he had said like, you know, but when we say the church is true, we don't mean true in the way that um, like uh, one plus one equals two is true. Um, it, it's a different type of meaning. Um, and I think that's fair. Like, um, so, but uh, to answer your question, um, when I say Christianity is true, I, I guess on the main points of the existence of God and the resurrection of Christ, I would say other two uh, the two main things. I guess I would add just Christ in general is uh, coming and being as God among, as a human um, and dying. And um, okay. uh, so those are the, those are the two big things. Now um, beyond that, there's a lot that is um, I think kind of follows in the wake of that, of truth, even if it's metaphorical or non-literal, um, but that is true in a different sense um, under, under that umbrella. Right. Um, but it, it gets, uh, it gets, uh, fuzzier, but I think that's enough for me to say, oh yeah, Christianity, Christianity is true. Now, um, I think that, uh, yeah, but I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite willing to say it's, it's, uh, the best. Um, well, cause, cause it's, I know I already asked you this question, but it's just something that I'm, I'm really curious about. Um, because obviously if what you say is true, it, it's very, very important. Uh-huh. Um, so I just go back to what is our, we're talking about literal salvation in a eternal afterlife. So I'm just a little bit surprised when I ask the question, how important is it to you to go and like kind of spread, not spread, I don't want to like spread the word like you're a missionary, mm -hmm. but like it, I almost feel like every single person's goal in life should be cast your nets to the other side and go and give this to other people so that they also have it, which that's high standards to hold someone to that. I won't even hold right. myself to, to be fair. But if you have eternal salvation, that's something that you, I, I would just assume you'd want to give. If I had a pill that, that meant you're not going to age, which might suck, but you're not going to age. You're not going to feel pain. I would want to get that to as it'll cure cancer. I'd want to get that to as many people as possible at a price. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to get that to as many, many people as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, my universalism might, uh, um, weaken my resolve on that a little bit. Right. Uh, yeah. cause, uh, <laughs> um, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's an argument. Is that to... insecurity? Like insecurity in the kindest way of saying that word, like, like I'm very confident what I believe to be true, but I'm not confident enough that I'm going to oh, start forcing this on everybody. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mean for a second to say that I'm uh, confident or, or know with every fiber of my being in these things. Right. It's, it's very, very much not. Um, so um, I'm just, uh, I'm just a person who's working things out um, and figuring things out in, in my life. Um, and uh, um in, in the best way possible. Uh, but, uh, yeah, for not a moment, uh, at least, uh, presently do I think, uh, got it all figured out or Is that why uh, you hate apologetics or do you hate apologetics? Did I, I, did I say I hate, 
I just got the feeling, well, like when we were chatting, you're like, I don't want to like be an apologist for the church. And I also don't feel like you're right now, the way that we're talking, you're being an apologist for like religion either. Uh, the yeah, reason yeah. that I say this, because I always feel like apologists are like, we got to find, so your empirical um, view of the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what apologists try to do. They try to be like, look, we can prove all of this stuff. Like, look how accurate it is. But the thing that has always bothered me about that was like, aren't you a faith-based religion? Like, aren't, aren't all things faith-based? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's just, um, a, just a thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, did, did I say I hate apologetics? I, uh, hate, um, hate's the wrong word. <laughs> um, yeah, in, in, our, in, in our conversations before. Yeah. Um, so uh, apologetics, um, well, I, I think of myself as uh, kind of a, an apologist in a certain sense. Um, so it's this, uh, inv- like, kind of, okay, let's take another look at this. Um, I, I you know, there's the probably apologist. <laughs> apologist makes it sound like you're coming from a position of inferiority. And I don't it, think necessarily that is the case every time. Correct. Yeah. Well, and there's an unfortunate um, linguistic baggage yeah, there. Apology, so it, exactly. Right. It didn't originally mean that, but okay. uh, yeah, it's, um, but um, I guess it, in, there are, for example, I, I think that there are atheist apologists for Christianity. So um, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Uh, oh, Tom Holland. Uh, so um, not the actor Tom Holland, but there's a, an author, Tom Holland, who wrote a book um, about the history of Christianity that's basically about some of the stuff I was talking about earlier with um, the impact of Christianity on the... Um, softening of uh of our violent uh, tendencies um in in the development of western culture um but basically um he's coming out at a point saying hey you know um some of the some of the uh, sensationalist and negative portrayals of christianity aren't, aren't quite right there's another side to this story um and i i consider that a kind of apologetic um now uh as far as like the real strong apologetics is like, you know, we can prove um, that God exists like because of the fine tuning of the universe or from uh, irreducible complexity in, in, um, in the complexity of uh, biochemistry, right. Of the way uh, life has been structured or, um, or from archeology span and history. uh, um, I guess I don't uh, have a big problem with them other than that. Um, those aren't things that I find super convincing. Um, and probably the, the fine tuning of the universe is probably the one that goes the farthest way, but it's not uh, one that is uh, something I found my, uh, my religion on. Um, so I don't mind that it, it exists. I don't mind that people are doing it. And I think it can be interesting. Um, and, uh, but it's, my my apologetics are more uh, looking at looking at a way of life and looking at the utility of it, um, and and also the truth of it. So like um, so as far as the existence of God, theism. I, you know, if if we wanted to expand beyond just Christianity and to more of the world, um, we could either say theism or just that there is <clears throat> there is a transcendent. Uh, reality, right? I think that's probably something that encompasses most things that we would call uh, religion. Um, I think I'm, I am convinced of that. Um, uh, 
mostly on intellectual grounds. Um, and I think that's interesting um, just because I like that you're mainly convinced about it on intellectual ground. Yeah. I'm kind of interested in that. Like, so most of it from the readings that you have, like, so for example, in, in Mormonism, what a lot of people will say is I was converted by the Holy spirit or something was made manifest to me. Mm -hmm. But from you, it's a lot of just reading and viewing the world around you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So, um, so I think that that's, um, that that's useful or it's, it's something that's interesting and compelling to me. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's a reason to, um, look deeper and closer into things that there's more, there's more to the world than meets the eye. Um, and I think that that's, uh, um, a, uh, a very uh, religious impulse that I think is shared not just by Christianity, but I think as you get into the Eastern religions or even, um, uh, uh, smaller uh, religious uh, groups. I, I want to trying to think of the, the correct word for, it, but we'll just say native religions. For, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Uh, um, for small, probably not, not probably not cults so much actually. Um, but uh, um, give but, a thousand people, you graduate to religion. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, like just, so, like na I'm native. Sorry, I don't want to offend any yeah. religions. I'm just kidding. I don't. I try to use that word as little as possible. I literally was just trying to find what word you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> it led me down a dark, dark, terrible, terrible line of thought. It did, it did. <laughs> just finished a song um, called Jonestown, so it's been on my mind a lot recently. Yeah, well, and, and I want to address um, uh, how, how we talked about, um, so in, in our last conversation, we, we focused a lot on Mormonism. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't have any taboo uh, for now of talking about Mormonism. Um, but it's more that, um, I guess, um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the issues you brought up are, um, I guess they're not, they're not issues that concern me as much because my, uh, my focus is a little bit, um, broader, broader. than just, than Mormonism. It, uh, yeah, it's, it's more, uh, to Christianity generally and, um, and, uh, theism. Um, but I definitely, I mean, I am a Mormon, um, and I think, um, uh, you know, that's, that's the, uh, uh, church I go to and, um, it's, uh, the way that I practice Christianity. Um, but a, a lot of the, the specifics, um, they're just not things that I'm really, um, so like Mormon apologetics of, uh, Book of Mormon historicity or, uh, you know, what Joseph Smith was doing in his life. I've, I've read a lot of that stuff, but it's not something that's like my primary focus at the moment. Um, just because and I'm, to be I'm honest, I have cared less and less about stuff like that as time mm -hmm. has gone on. I don't know yeah. what it is because it, I, I, nobody, no, I have never inspired anyone to leave the church and that's never been like a goal of mine either. Mm -hmm. I think just as long as you're a happy person in general, that's going to be like the best thing for you. Like do whatever you want. Um, so I don't want to make it sound like that's what I wanted to talk about with you. Like, Hey, can we talk about Mormonism? Like, right. I, I like, I like that we're talking less and less about it. It's actually, well, it's, and it's more pertinent to, to me. Right. I mean, I, I wouldn't feel yeah. as, uh, is it, um, since it's not something I've been uh, focusing on as much recently, it's a little bit more foreign to, you know, where I'm at. Um, but, but uh, yeah, but you know, I don't want to, um, make it out like, um, it's not at all part of my life. Of course, you know, well, I was, I was going to say, I go to, I go to the Mormon church every Sunday or used to, you know, in yeah, <laughs> pre-COVID times. I actually am going today, but, uh, with a hey, mask. Hey, congratulations, <laughs> yeah. I think. 
Um, and, and, you know, and the Book of Mormon is something that um, I'm not focused on uh, a whole lot right now because I'm kind of focusing on the Bible uh, in my studies. But uh, the Book of Mormon is kind of on my list of like to understand it. Okay, what's step going one, on? Todd. Step I know, right? one of leaving um, that I, I, I don't recommend it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, but, but, but what is it like? for a friend. Um, <laughs> um, so like, you know, because we talked earlier about, um, you know, with the Bible um, to, you know, the Bible, I think, does definitely have a lot of history that's independently verifiable, um, even though it's a lot of other stuff wrapped into it as well. Um, the Book of Mormon, um, to what extent is it, is it historical? Um, you know, I, I, that's not something I'm really getting into right now, but I, I've, uh, as far as a, a scriptural book, um, and things that I get insights out, out of, um, I mean, that's definitely, um, an important uh, resource. I mean, I probably, um, in, in anytime I get into a deep conversation, I, I feel myself channeling the book of Mormon, like things come out. So like, um, so the ideas, uh, especially like in uh, Lehi's uh, discussion of opposition and all things, and that there needs to be enticement on the one hand or the other, those type of things. Those are those are things that uh, just come out um, as I'm talking about things. So it's definitely something that informs um, my my worldview. So a very important book in that regard. But but yeah, it's not something that uh, I uh, have given as much thought to or concerned about, like uh, in, in the keystone of a religion. Uh, uh, type of sense so that that's the one reason uh, i focus more on you can feel free to just say like alex i feel like i've already explained this so i don't want to explain it again <laughs> but um i am st i still feel like why why is this important to you like why why is this something that you want to know well uh, so uh you mean like about the book of mormon specifically no, no, no. just like okay um like it's because you put a lot of obviously like I butcher this every single time and people are like, Alex, you're such a bad listener. I'm sorry. I don't write mm. stuff down, but you've read the new Testament in Greek. You've read the old Testament in Hebrew, Hebrew. Mm -hmm. Okay. I remember this time, like you've put a lot of effort into this. Like why? Yeah. Yeah. Not, that, dismi a, not a dismissive. Why it's like a literal, literal curiosity. Why? Like what? Yeah. Point? Yeah. You know, and, 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 uh, um, when I was talking with, uh, Mike, um, on, uh, our uh, conversation of, of grace and uh, um, and Mormonism. Um, he asked me something similar. It was like, why why does that matter to you? <laughs> it's it's a very difficult question uh, to answer. Um, and I actually do think that um, there is probably a, a religious gene, um, or uh, well, probably not a gene, but um, some uh, suite of genes that uh, induce people to be religious and think about things in religious ways. And, uh, and just because if, if there is such a thing, I have it. Right. Um, and, uh, that, that, I mean, that's, that's a really cheap way of, <laughs> of explaining it. Cause it really doesn't get it. into the, well, the thought process. I like but, that you've eliminated choice from it. You're just like, I was born with it. You know, well, <laughs> <laughs> I was born with innate curiosity. I'm sorry, Alex. Well, yeah. But Not everybody but gets blessed. You know, no, it, it is it is important, I think, for me to to figure out the thought process behind that because um if I'm going to uh share that with people and uh transmit it to people, I need to figure out a way to do that, right? Yeah. Um rather than just enjoying it in my own my own little world in my own head. Um but it, it feels like it's continuous uh to my 
um, interest to just understand the way things work um, in general. So um, like um, science is another, another big thing for me, like mathematics and physics, I, I really get into uh, and enjoy. Um, there's very little practical application for it in my own life. Um, I, I mean, I am an engineer, but at that level, you know, I'm not needing to know um, uh, general relativity for, yeah. uh, for my day job, right? That makes sense. <laughs> um, but, but it still interests me um, and, and the, uh, the mathematics involved. Um, just because I really like understanding the way, uh, the way the world works. It's almost like a mystical uh, fascination. Um, and that overlaps a lot with of uh, religion um, in seeing things, seeing the deeper level of things, right? Um, and just digging in and trying to understand things thoroughly. I, I think of that as um, uh, very, uh, very similar in drive to uh, to uh, any type of uh, religious exercise. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's. It, part of it, I, I do chalk up a bit to a quirk in my personality, um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, do, do you um, do you get really into things? Like, what, what's uh, um, what's your passion? Uh, I mean, apart from drugs, um, <laughs> <laughs> I just love. Uh, I won't. I won't say this out loud, but uh, Todd and I chatted about. Um, both of our audiences and how we can appeal to both of our audiences. So I'm trying to be as edgy as possible <laughs> without, without breaking, without breaking the rule. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. To your question, are there things? Yes. Um, there like are. music, music's probably one of the things more than anything, okay. especially yeah. like entertaining people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably like too big. That's why I do a podcast as well. Um, yeah, there's right, things that right. I get pretty into regularly. But what's different for you is it seems like you have like a very continual stream of this going on. But that's because our interactions with each other are limited to a couple minutes a day when you think about it. like, even sure. though we're in this group together, like, oh, I read 15 of Todd's posts today, but 15 of Todd's posts took me five minutes to read. <laughs> and so, but it still seems like it's like well it's every single day but you're probably mm-hmm. spending time thinking about other things not just sure sure i gotta <laughs> i gotta figure out what's 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 the point of this life uh, I, I, this I know it's that you're not doing that. after a while yeah <laughs> well, i gotta admit well because uh, i don't i i don't know if i want to ask this question right now but i thought it was something useful that i did you know pat myself on the back um what so I was like, Mormons, this is what I want you to know about people like me, people who have left, and then religious people too. I want you to know like why it was hard for me, why I am the way that I am now, why I'm so cynical towards some of the things that you say, do, and act online. What are the things that you'd want people like me to know, like the, the secular types? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you're asking me this now. Because <laughs> <Yep. laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what what would I want secular people to know? Um, yeah, okay, that's a good question. Especially um, when talking about when having these types of conversations with one another, because I feel like even though I am hard on, like not hard on you, sometimes like I'm a little tongue in cheek, 
you still get it because for whatever reason, maybe it's just because you are good at understanding people. Like you know that it's not like, oh, that's just a throwaway joke. He doesn't really, he's not attacking me essentially. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so one thing that I think of is for, for, for me um, is that kind of like, okay, I get it. I get the, um, the issues uh, and why, uh, there are things with uh, religion and their histories and their doctrines that um, are upsetting um, and problematic um, and that they're not just things that, um, you know, I've ignored. And I think that I, I don't have a good sense for how aware or how much attention um a lot of other religious people pay to those type of things. Um, but I think there's, there's probably more attention to that than it might seem. Um, so uh, I think sometimes it seems like um, religious people are just uh, um, turning off their minds or, or uh, putting on blinders to any type of complexity. Um, and I don't think that's the case. Um, and I think that it's possible to relate uh, a lot more uh, than we might think. So, so for example, when we've been talking, um, you know, all the, all the issues that you've mentioned, I mean, you brought up things that have uh, uh, made me think in, in a different way, but you know, I, it, nothing's been like, Oh, that had never occurred to me, you know, that that would be uh, upsetting or, you know, how is that even you're, you must be like a different species to find that upsetting. Um, that's that just hasn't happened right um that uh, humans are humans we have our differences but um i think there's a lot more there are a lot more commonalities um especially as we start getting into um uh, into this type of stuff um so so that's one thing is that we're not as we're not as different as it might seem sometimes or that um religious people are as unaware of, of those issues as, as it might seem sometimes. Um, I also think uh, something that you said, that your gene, you know how you're like, you know, I think some people just have the gene to like really care about yeah. this stuff. I think there's a lot of religious people, religious people who do not have that gene and honestly agreed. just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That are, so those that, are the know, wrong people seculars to talk to. Cause they're going to be like, I don't, well, I just want to live my life. <laughs> yep. Abs absolutely. You know, um, and so, you know, and I, I think there's, there's a bit of a, there's kind of this transition period. Um, I, I think in, in the Mormon church that, uh, um, some people go through where they're like, they're trying to figure things out and they want people to answer their questions. So they're sitting in an elders quorum and they're bringing up, um, the, the tough questions, right? Not, not to be jerks, but because they're, you know, they're generally trying to figure things out <clears throat> and other people are like, Come on, man. You know, I just I, yeah. I, I had a hard week at work and I'm just trying to get uh, edified and um, you're ruining it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even um, hear about the polygamy. I don't care. Right. Yeah. So um, and I, I think that's important. I, I appreciate um, that that need for people not to be, uh, you know, super examining of everything and to just kind of get a relief from all of that. I think that's, that's an important thing too. Um, and something that I have to remember a lot. Um, okay. Uh, and then another thing, Oh, um, 
I had I had another thing that I was going to mention that I'm so uh, I sorry, that's my fault. You you got me off track. Um, oh, okay. Um, I'll just mention one other thing. So, I think that a lot of times um, we don't realize both both religious and unreligious people that um, that uh, fundamentalism or more modern uh, versions of religious ideas are not the fundamentals or, or, or essentials. So like, uh, for example, uh, when I talked about just the basics of, of God as, as, uh, as being, or God is love, um, you know, those are, those are pretty abstract. Um, not to say that there's not a history of God, you know, uh, that has more to it. I, I would say the Bible is a document of, of that history, but, um, but, you know, people might respond, uh, saying with the idea, like, uh, I guess the secular response being, you know, God is really, he's the, the Simpsons God, you know, he's the guy with the big booming voice and the long beard whose face you never see. Um, you know who I'm talking about in the Simpsons, yes, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and you know, I yeah, think about it as kind of a caricature, <laughs> right? So <laughs> God, right. Yeah. Um, there's these kind of, uh, associations, um, with God that, um, can either be, seem ridiculous or, or just, um, that that's just the way things is taken for granted. Right. Um, that God is uh, a guy with white hair and a beard. Um, now, um, I don't think that that is the, um, I would, I wouldn't say that that's the orthodox view and, um, uh, orthodox is, is, uh, is a tough term because um, I don't want to disparage like the way people practice religion, right? Um, as as kind of uh, folk practices, <laughs> um, but um, but I do think it's important to think. Okay, for people who have done uh, in depth theology and thinking about religion, they tend to converge more with scientific worldviews and thinking. So, um, like uh, in in the Middle Ages. Um, Aristotle was, there was kind of an Aristotelian Renaissance. Um, so people were reading Aristotle, including a lot of, uh, uh, theologians and, um, and a lot of it was kind of intention with Christian thought, but they, they thought, well, you know, this Aristotle guy, he said a lot of stuff that made sense, you know, his logic and his metaphysics, it, it seems correct. And so <clears throat> they worked out the theologies in ways that, uh, kind of, uh, they coincided and they figured out, okay, you know, we can learn some things about the nature of God and the nature of the world uh, in conversation with this. Um, that's very much like a, a non-fundamentalist Simpsons type view of God. But I would, I would consider that more as like, if you're, if you're going to take the best of the best thinking um, that's been worked out, uh, in the history of, of religion and theology, um, it's not as different from the scientific worldview as it might seem. Right. I mean, so like the a scientific world, essentially what, what your ancestors called magic, we call science. sort of, sort of. Right. So, um, so like, uh, I think both, um, both theism and um, a scientific worldview overlap in seeing that there is um, an order to things and that there's uh, law-like uh, principles that uh, reality follows, right? Um, and uh, we look at those 
but those are very, I think those can be merged uh, without, without much difficulty. Um, and so, and I guess what I'm responding to here is kind of the Sam Harris uh, critique of, uh, Sam Harris, he, he uh, complains about religious liberals that they're not the real thing, they're not authentic. You know, you're not really religious. It's the fundamentalists who really believe this stuff. Um, where you religious liberals are just kind of pretending. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think uh, religious liberal is, is a fair description of, of me. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I do want to push back against that, that no, you know, my, uh, my religious belief and practice is genuine. Uh, it has a history and a pedigree that goes back hundreds of years. It's not some response to... Uh, the developments of the new atheists or the attacks developments of scientists over the past few decades. Um, it's, uh, it's just, um, yeah, it's just not something, uh, made up, I guess. Todd subliminally, subliminally threw in the word attack there. Uh, <laughs> attack. Oh, I'm going to use another word now. Um, well, not to defend Sam Harris too much because I don't need to, he can defend himself, but I think I just, maybe putting a little bit of a different spin on what he means by that is when he says like the fundamentalists believe this stuff, I think he's referring to the things that he knows you likely don't agree with. So for example, mm -hmm. stoning homosexuals. <laughs> like, right, you know what I, mean? right, yeah. I think he's more referring to like the, the crazy, what, what Western society would deem the crazy rules. So the polygamy with 14 year old girls that goes on with people like Warren Jeffs or whatever like that. I think he's more referring to those types um, when he says like they really believe it. Cause there are some things where it's like, yeah, but that's what I gotta be happy about with like, and I really do mean this. I'm not just trying to be like, oh, thanks Alex for throwing an attaboy towards the LDS church. But like the one <laughs> thing is as much as I think it is still behind, the LDS church is constantly evolving. Like it, it always is like, I won't mention who this was, but I saw a person post like, LDS, um, how do I say this? Like LDS sin, LGBTQ, mm -hmm. essentially was like, it's a book like that they're reading. I'm like, oh, just 20 years too late, but I'm glad that you're reading it. Like it's one of those things that right. sucks because just like we've known this for a really, really long time. And when I say we, I feel like most people, most people have known this for a really, really long time. And now I'm supposed to give you, well, it's like the Chris Rock routine. Like what, you want a cookie? Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations for finally, for uh, catching up to 20 years of us saying like, yeah, you know who's really not that bad and we shouldn't legislate against morally? The LGBTQ community. Now, <laughs> like now like, I have I to know. ask, when you were in, okay, but you're, you're younger than me, I guess. Uh, how old are you now? I am 31 almost. Okay, you're not that much younger than me. Okay, um, so when you were- say, when you say, were, Todd said, like, he seems really young. No, 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 no. I, Alex Axe is really young. Oh, you're only a year younger than me? No, no, no. The, the, reason, the reason is because there's been so much rapid change in the past few decades what that it makes a difference. To be rapid change. But um, relative to us, I think it's rapid change. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm a, a firm believer that historically, like, things seem fast because all we have are these 30 years of, like, mm -hmm. oh, it didn't go that fast. I feel like there's probably some rapid change, but because we learned in a history class, like, a thousand years ago, it took them 50 years to finally not kill all of the, the natives. Right. <laughs> like, you so, know, like, that's sorry. When you were, when you were in junior high, would you say that the boys... 2001-ish. Okay, so would you say that the boys, whether religious or not, had very enlightened and progressive views on LGBT people? The boys? Yeah. 
who were the boys? Just boys in general? Like yeah, yeah, the boys in junior high. Like oh, gotcha, gotcha. Did that if they had very nuanced views of no, oh fair, fair. I get what you're saying. I get what you're doing. Yes, they did so, not. They did not have nuanced views. No. So I, I mean, I guess what what I mean is that um, it's not just that uh, it was society as a whole. Yeah, society as, as a whole has gone through this this transformation. But to be um, fair, I haven't been in too many uh, junior high boys locker rooms recently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might it might be might still I mean, be a few years the same ago, way because yeah, uh, I put a video camera in. But <laughs> he's joking. <laughs> um, so, um, but um, yeah, no, it might maybe it still is the That's same way. Point. It would be interesting to know it like um, how progressive um, boys of that age are now. Or if it's more um, secretive than it was back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, that, that, keep that's your my f words and q words to yourself, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> right. I know, like we would, like we would, with reckless abandon, throw words like that around. Uh huh. Like, recently, <laughs> I won't say what it was. Recently, someone was. I was just like, I don't know if you can say that anymore. Like, I, I hate that. Oh, like, okay. Uh, it was a a popular game where a person who has the football, everyone tries to attack. Or smear. Ah. It rhymes with the word smear. Yes. And yes. like they said, like, yeah, I used to play this game. I was like, uh, right. maybe not don't say that in a public setting. Right, I, right. It doesn't offend me because I know where you're coming from. I know mm -hmm. you the intent behind it, but anyone can run with that and make it better. Sure, sure, uh, sure. So I but that person was also an old person. Yeah. Not a young person. So I don't think right. a lot of young people are talking that way anymore. So I, I like that distinction that you make there. Uh that like but then once again, that's, I hate the product of a time because my passive aggressive joke that I keep making in the abyss is I keep going, man, if only there was someone on this earth who could tell us what to do, which they probably think is like an honest plea, but really it's just a, nope, there allegedly is someone who professes to know exactly yeah. what we should do who's not telling us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and, and uh, I, I remember, yeah, we, we brought that up in the last uh, conversation and that's just not... Which is the question, I don't, I don't though. Like, yeah. I think I that's not. I shouldn't be doing that. Like, if I were a a, a religious person, and what I would say to secular, like, you're not that smart. Like, I'm not that <laughs> smart. I know that I'm not that smart. I know that I'm not that learned. And I feel like I have all of these gotcha lines that, like, I throw up people like, oh, with that line, there's no way that they are going to be able to weave their way out. <laughs> how are of they? This how one. are they going to recover from that one? Right. But yeah. The it, thing is, do humans like being wrong? No human likes being wrong. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, and, and that's just, that's not, again, that's, um, somebody else might be able to give a better defense or response to that um, than me, but I'm just not, it's just not something that's on my it's radar, not that important. I guess. <laughs> to me, it's not, actually. Uh, it's not that important, really. <laughs> um, but uh, I, want, I wanted to talk about the progression. Oh, so, good. Um, so, like, um, uh, Mike and I, we came up with an idea when we were talking about, um, Mormonism being kind of this moment in the development of, or of religious development. And I think there are a few sides of that. Um, one that we were kind of talking about is Mormonism uh, focusing on uh, physical existence, the here and now um, in certain ways that uh, are unique. Um, but we don't need to get into that right now. But the other one is um, this internal um, idea of progression, right? Mm -hmm. That um, it is right in the doctrine of uh, of Latter Day Saint or Mormon thought that uh, things will change and progress, and um, I think that that is a very powerful 
idea because it just is, it's already there, right? It's just being made explicit. So um, like we talked about in the Bible, there's, there's constant change uh, and, and development, and it seems to be going in a certain direction. And I think that, but, but it's not always recognized, right? Um, and there's, it's, there's kind of a resistance to um, building on that, right? Oh, the Bible's done now. And um, there's not going to be any development beyond that, um, where there's at least this idea in, uh, in Mormonism that that's not the case, that it's continually open and developing and that the future is open. And I, I think that's a very important idea. And that is um, how I see society as a whole working through religion or religions um, as kind of this development process, as much as it would be nice to have everything just, and, you know, I, I genuinely agree. Like it would be nice to have everything laid out ahead of time. Uh, but for whatever reason, that's just not the way things work. Right. So when I say laid out, what, and what I, I from our, like our initial start of the conversation where uh -huh. like, it'd be nice to like know everything, it would be nice to just have like clear and cut rules. I don't know if yeah. I necessarily like, but then I morph that into talking about like knowing the future. Right. Right. I more just want to know what all of the rules are because those constantly seem to be changing. Those yeah. seem to be frequently depending on what year it is, what the climate of politics is, what the climate of what's popular at the time in culture seems to be what impacts what the rules are. Like, yeah. uh, who was I just talking to about this recently where I'm just like, not that I mind it, but it's hard for me to like, still, this is going to sound so stupid. I still, when I see chicks in bikinis who I knew are LDS, I have like a little bit of judgment for them. And I'm sure somebody's <laughs> thinking like, wow, how sexist. But like, once again, it's just like how much I really believed in that. Yeah, uh, right. Like believed right. in everything. Like, no, that's mm -hmm. like, you're absolutely not. But then I, Alex gets rational and goes, you want to know what? Good. Women can do whatever they want. Like they, right. they, they should be allowed to choose how they dress, how they dress and when they dress that way. Yeah. And, you know, even, even as a Mormon, I think that's something that, um, you know, we can, we can think about and um, address or uh, decide, you know, okay, maybe an absolute um, prohibition on that is not, not the right way to go. There's, there are other principles that we can investigate um, that, and that hasn't, that kind of, uh, that hasn't really happened at a broad level, but I do, I do think that that, particular thing has um changed a little bit in recent uh, recent years but, but it will continue to evolve because i have seen things that are changing and i i think we talked about this on the last one though so i don't know if, how much you want to go into it the idea but i love where when i left mormonism where i was at with how the afterlife was going to be or was mm -hmm. specifically going to be like yep Everyone has, essentially, unless you're a son of perdition, which son of perdition are just really, really bad people who deny the Holy Ghost and Jesus. I don't fully mm -hmm. remember. Um, besides those people, which I don't know if I would count in that. I don't think I do because I've never seen Jesus. But everyone has a chance to like get better. This would include uh -huh. people like Hitler, which I do think he should suffer for a long time, but not eternally. He did a lot of bad things. Like, I don't know. Hopefully this isn't a hot take and people are like, I can't believe <laughs> By the way, just broke Godwin's law. I need to find like someone else. Like who's it? The guy who I'll just go with uh, Genghis Khan. The guy who raped all of uh, yeah. <laughs> all of the Eastern yeah. world. Um, right, right. I don't even think he should be punished for forever, for um, eternity. Yeah. And how do you? And I know that you kind of view it that way too, right? I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Do so with that type of God, and I'm going to go James Lip Lipton from. Uh, 
inside the actor studio here. So when you finally do get to see God, is there like a specific thing that like you want to tell him, especially if it's the God that you've been envisioning this entire time? Oh, so the way I understand God currently. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so uh, it can be a question or a statement too. It doesn't have to yeah, just be like, oh, I well, love you. It could be that. Well, that, that, that might that might be it right so um uh part of my development in like uh, the way the way i practice religion and pray um uh when i'm alone um is less uh verbal so one of the ideas i found interesting and inspiring uh, in christian history is this tradition called hesychasm um which is, it's, it's from Eastern Christianity, and it basically is stillness. And it's, it's almost kind of like a meditation. Um, but it's basically this idea that rather than, um, rather than filling the empty space with our own words and thoughts, um, we empty them and uh, are receptive. And so uh, you have this empty space in which um, the spirit can, uh, can feel. And, um, and so <clears throat> that's my own prayer. It comes more like that, um, with time. Um, it, but it, it's difficult. Uh, it's, it's, um, to, uh, to clear your mind and to have it, um, just receptive rather than active and moving, especially for someone like me, who's, uh, very, um, very theoretical and likes to think a lot. <laughs> you can imagine that that that's kind of difficult. So my, but my communication with God in the direction it's going currently is less verbal and more just kind of listening. Um, and so I kind of think that it might be something like that. Um, you know, when I, when I meet God um, uh, directly um, that I might not have much to say um, and just want to bask, right? To, to uh, receive um, and to feel. Um, but I, if I were to say something, um, yeah, it would probably be something like uh, thank you or uh, yeah, just gratitude. Um, and uh, that would probably be about it. Um, but, uh, but then um, the theoretical side of me would certainly have like, would want to Question dig into things questions. like, okay, yeah, let's, let's, all right, great. You know, uh, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's, uh, I, I want, I want everything, you know, uh, uh here's, here's my assistant Shem. <laughs> do, do, do the, do the data dump. You know, I want, to I want it all. I want all your questions. Just, just spend eternity, eternity, like, um, receiving all, all the knowledge and the insights and, and things like that. Then I'd be interested to invert the question. And what would you want him to say to you? Yeah. Um, I think um, love and acceptance also. Um, so, uh, you know, the well done thou good and faithful servant line. Yeah, um, I was hoping that wasn't going to be the answer. I know, no, sorry. <laughs> I, could I was tell like, please, not the cliche. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> um, though, though maybe not even that, because, um, I mean, the the unconditional love, which I do think is a, is uh, a good uh, description 
of God. I know sometimes we want to say, oh, you know, but if you obey the commandments and, and this, I actually do think uh, it is unconditioned. Um, and I think one, one insight that I do think is valuable from the evangelical side is um, that uh, God loves us in spite of good or bad um, that we do. Um, and I guess one of the things I think of that my kids need to hear um, and I, I hope is comforting to them is that they're always accepted. They're always loved. Um, and one of my, I guess one of the tenderest things I can think of um, in my relationships with my kids is, you know, when, when there's been some type of argument, heated, <laughs> heated encounter, uh, you know, they're, they're whining or screaming, uh, have to go to timeout or something. And, and then they're just devastated. You know, uh, uh, my girls will just, it, it's not even so much whatever they were upset about, but just the fact that I've uh, condemned them to timeout or uh, expressed anger um, at what they've done. And, and they just, they're just I, probably thinking, you know, blowing it out of proportion, like, oh, you know, this uh, paternal relationship is destroyed. Um, and to try and reassure them that that's not the case. And, um, for me to repent for, uh, blowing up if, if I've done that, um, uh, and to try to, um, resolve and, uh, bring us back into reconciliation, but basically to let them know that no matter what, um, that they can rely on me, that I love them, that, uh, there's nothing that they can do that would, make me uh not love them um and so i i think that that would be uh what i would want to hear also um from a uh a heavenly father yeah i i love that you're a father i love having conversations with people who have children because i feel like that as dumb as this sounds provides a little more insight into an actual godlike figure at least the godlike figure that yeah. i would approve of like mm -hmm. I don't like the idea of like someone who threw us into a simulation. Um, mm -hmm. I like the idea of the clockmaker God just because at least he's absolved of all guilt. Um, mm -hmm. I don't like the vengeful God, the angry God that you see sometimes genociding and killing entire mm -hmm. populations. Yeah. Um, but I, I, when you compare it to your personal relationship with your daughters, I just think of when I'm watching my brothers and sisters like with their kids. And so often, like, so for example, we have like these different epochs in life we want these different um benchmarks that we get to so learning how to talk learning how to walk learning how to feed ourselves learning how to deal with situations with friends um getting a job going through school like there's a bunch of different things these aren't and i don't think i've even mentioned like one religious thing but then there's the religious things too getting baptized yeah. getting the priesthood going on your mission yada 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 um and so if, if i to steal my own question and then to answer it because i loved what you said that unconditional love part of it uh, following up on like the eternal progression part is when whenever we're, I see my siblings with their children, especially their young children that are growing up, they say when they're young, like you're doing it, like you're, you're, you're walking, right? Like, Oh, uh -huh. you're doing it. You're doing it. You did it. Um, and then you can see it in their eyes. They don't like say it but as they get older. They don't say like, you did it. You're doing it. I would love for it to just be like, you arrive there because of the eternal progression part. He just goes, Hey, you're doing it. You're it's only yeah. one, one part done 
uh, you got a lot more, a lot more to go. That the, the, that's the reason I never like the "well done, my good and faithful sure. servant" is it's past tense as opposed yeah, yeah. to a continuation. Um, yeah, which is something I could get behind. Uh, I this the, everyone's going to be like, man, this must be so depressing to be you, Alex. Like, I hope so. <laughs> I I hope so much for that, even though I know how unlikely it is. Um, and then the question would be like, well, how do you know that it's unlikely? It's like, it just is just because of how many different, although to be honest, I feel like that is the most likely of the gods, right? I just feel like it's the most likely of if there is an afterlife, yeah. that's how it's going to be. And sorry for kind of like making that last little part and going off for as long as I did, but I do hope for it. I, I, I one of yeah. my favorite scriptures still from the book of Mormon is just having a desire to believe. And I'm constantly just desire. I want that. I never mm -hmm. want that to go away. I always have the desire sure. to believe, not necessarily in Mormonism, but in something. Um, and I go back to, I'm trying to do all of the things in my life that are requisite to the God that I would worship doing those things. So being nice to people as much as I can, donating my time, money, and resources to those different different things um mm -hmm. is it going to pay off in the long run for like this temporal existence not really but i'm still holding out for a, a potential future after this yeah i mean so an afterlife i would say is um uh it doesn't have to be an essential uh focus all right i mean uh or even probably an essential part of a religion um so but but it certainly can be um and I think that the way you've described that, um, I, I do think that that's probably true, something like that. I mean, I, I don't think we can really even envision what uh, an afterlife would be like if it's, if it's not bodily, then I, I don't know how we could imagine that because we're embodied, right? Um, the Christian view is that um, at, an afterlife is basically a resurrection, so you're brought back into bodily form. So it'd be, be similar to what we have now. Um, but I do think that also um, at its strongest, um, religion brings us to the present um, and to look at what is right in front of us um, and to look at it closer. Um, so, you know, it, it's, a, it's, you could ask the question, if there is no afterlife, um, what is what is the point of of religion and God? You know, would there be any anything to it still? And I, I think yes. Um, if the answer is no, um, then I would I would want I would encourage to look uh, think about it in a different way um, because I think uh, so. For example, in the Hebrew Bible, for a long time, for most of the Hebrew Bible, there's really not much discussion of of an afterlife, um, like in the negative or positive is just not really uh, discussed. Um, but there's still definitely a lot of, a lot of God in that story. Right. And, and people um, interacting with God and, and each other in religious ways. Um, so I, I think that's kind of interesting to think about like, how can we uh, relate to each other in the here and now um, in ways that uh, um, go beyond just the surface level um there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of going through the motions in life um so in uh in my last conversation with uh jacob 
you know, we, we talked about the importance of stepping outside of just the regular workaday life um, where we're just making a living. Um, and because, of course, that's essential and important. Um, but stepping outside of that a little bit and looking at things in different ways or new ways is is the basis of culture and uh, and a deeper life. Um, and I think that's something that uh, religion uh, religion can help with. Not that it's the only thing, but I think it's an important thing. Well, and not to like be the the naysayer again. I, what once again concerns me is on paper and in theory, I love that. But then when you go into the actual practice of, of that, so many people convolute it with the specifics and the dogma specifically. I'm not going to, I just because I don't want to offend your listeners mm-hmm. or mine mom. Uh, (laughs) Mom would be the only one that'd be offended by this. But I feel like there are certain things where people spend a lot of their time and efforts in my my former religion of uh, like a being LDS, where I'm like, man, if you would have, instead of going and doing that thing every single week that you made a goal of yours, which I guess it's good to have goals. I'm like, you could have done so much more. I know how long it takes Mm. to do that one thing. It takes about an hour and a half to two hours. Just imagine uh-huh. in a 52-week year, that's 104 hours that could have gone to doing anything else. Granted, I know as humans, we usually waste our time anyway. So here, here I am, the guy who, was, who played video games for an hour yesterday. Like I understand that, <laughs> that I'm being a hypocrite when I say this. It's just there are like these really weird random things, which, and to be completely fair, maybe it's actually a good thing that people do those. Like I, I, I don't know. Um, Maybe it makes them better or it helps them fulfill fulfill from a service standpoint in another way by doing that and having that that regular weekly thing that they do. It's just like, I'm being overjudgmental, if I'm being quite honest. I I just, because I I love what you said, where um, even if there isn't an afterlife, there is still value that religion can bring to us it's just obviously to each person what that value is going to be is going to be relative. Uh, it will. Yeah. So like, um, uh, sorry, I keep on bringing up other conversations, but they all overlap. So I, I talked with the uh, Jack, I think in the very first podcast episode about, um, uh, the, uh, effective altruism movement, uh, which is basically this, um, I don't want to, fo- I'm going to, I'm going to not do justice to it, but basically thinking of ways to um, allocate our time and resources in the most effective manner uh, to do the most good. Um, but I, I think there's a side of that that can also kind of disparage anything that's not doing that. So anything that's not directly oh. impacting the utility of Which is what somebody I just else <laughs> that's making the world, um, making the world a better place or, you know, putting uh, food on other people's tables that there's something morally wrong um, with that. Um, I don't buy into that view because um, I think it's a question of ends to what end is our existence. It's it's not only to, it's not only to exist, you know, to, to breathe air and eat food and sleep, um, you know, we do need those things. I do think it's important to uh, save lives and to uh, uh, have, uh, yes, yeah, save people from starvation and disease, um, but to a certain end, right? So that they can um, do things that they find fulfilling beyond just survival. 
Um, and that is relative uh, to the person as well. Um, so I think there are a lot of things that um, from the outside look wasteful, um, but from the inside can be very meaningful. And um, I think that in the modern world, we, we run the risk of sometimes um, measuring everything by its ROI, uh, re return on investment, Fair. Um, or, uh, you know, how it, uh, how it expands our, our capital assets, you know, um, and not that those things aren't important, but, um, they, they can expand to take over everything. Um, and I think that diminishes, uh, diminishes our existence. It's because we put too high of a value on it. Like, sure. It's exactly sure. what he says. It's when you say it's not that it's not important. It's like, well, it's important, but only so much. So, so yeah. I agree with that. Like I go, I think, you know, the, the, the common thing where the, the thing that people say they regret the most on their deathbed is that they didn't spend more time with their family. I think that is a good analogy for a lot of things. It's not necessarily just not spending time with family. I mm -hmm. honestly think people regret not doing more for themselves as well like yeah. <laughs> throughout time. Uh, and I say this to my team pretty regularly. I'm like, probably should admit this. We need to take this as seriously as possible so that we can provide for our families. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you're not going to remember very much of anything that you did in your time here. Like this is all a means to an end to, to mm -hmm. get to once again, to provide for your family. Uh, because I think that's where a big problem in life. And like, I just did it where I was like judging people for not allocating their time and, and resources in the way that I deemed appropriate. And that's unfair. Uh, if I'm being quite honest, I'm trying to be less hard on things like that, but mm -hmm. these are hard, um, but these are the things that, <laughs> these are the things that like go on in my mind, like fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. And I, and as I purge them, I find that I become more and more happier. The, the less I care about what other people are doing, which is hard for me to do, like quite honestly, mm -hmm. the happier I become. So I just try to chase that dragon as much as I can because it's, sure. it feels great. Like, and I can't control what they do anyway. So what's the point? Right. What's the point? Like, even like, I think of like podcasts that I've done in the past, like how have I inspired people to actually change with all of my outrage and anger? The answer is zero. So obviously I need to take a different approach to it because it mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be working. Um, and as I've stopped caring about it, life for me just seems to get way better and easier. So well, that's good. Just let, <laughs> just let those people have their, have their things and whatever. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. Yeah. Oh, but I also don't like that because it almost comes across like nihilistic where it's just like nothing really matters. This is all just a huge <laughs> joke because it, it, if you want to go broad, broadly, this doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But if you get more specific, it's a very, very important thing. It's the one life that we have. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have any other last minute uh, things that you would want the secular world to know about people of faith. I'm not going to use religious because like people of faith, sure. people that have, have faith. Um, yeah. So, um, this is maybe an interesting one to end on, <laughs> but <laughs> so, um, I had some thoughts uh, last night as I was just going through like, okay, uh, what are we going to talk about tomorrow? Um, about this view of Christ of how we treat the least of these. Um, and this, this gets back a little bit to, 
um, the history of Christianity and, and privileging less like the aristocracy and the best of the best, right? Um, one of the things that I think is a potential pitfall um, in a kind of uh, de-Christianized society is we get away from some of the uh, some of the traditions that we've inherited is that we might start looking again at that bottom line is like, okay, the value of this person is their return. You know, how much, how much are they adding to our GDP? Um, or are they a drag on society? Um, and I think we need to be very careful about not um, valuing people in that way. Um, and it's something that I see both, it, it's definitely been something that's um, uh, like in, in communist uh, societies, um, kind of paradoxically, uh, the value of human life has been instrumental. Like, okay, you know, we're going to have the communist utopia. And if you get in the way, then you're expendable. You know, we can kill you. And, and millions of people have died because of that. So that's a, a fault of the left. But I'm also seeing kind of on, I guess, the alt-right would be one way it's described but i'd say it's like either um a secular right wing or christian in name only right wing where it's like christians more like a banner of tribe right uh, like rah rah christians um yeah rah rah america um but not really getting into okay what does that mean um and so like drains on society you know people on welfare are people that are uh, you know, I'm paying for that, uh, you know, um, no, or they should just, uh, um, we should just let these people die or starve themselves. Um, uh, those type of ideas are very concerning to me. And, um, or even just that we should privilege the best of the best, you know, like, um, we should not focus on people who are lower IQ, we should focus on the people who our high IQ and privilege them and put all our efforts in, in, in them, make sure they get into. Now, I, I do think it's good, like, to give people the resources that they need to meet their potential, right? So I have no problem with advanced placement courses and things like that. Um, but the value of a human life that it would be based on IQ or intelligence, I have a big problem with. Um, and um, or, or any other, any other type of metric, um, that could be put on a person or that somebody is worth less because they are less intelligent, um, or have some type of frailty or, um, or even have a predisposition to crime. Um, all of those things, um, should not detract from the value that we place on them. And that's not it, that, that's kind of a hard thing to defend um, just based on rational grounds. I mean, I think it's possible to do um, with certain assumptions built in, but it's not a natural way to think. Um, but I think whether, whether you adopt the rest of Jesus's system of ideas, I think it's a very important idea to capture this idea that what matters is the way you treat the person who's valued least, um, that that's what defines who you are and how you stand from the religious perspective, how you stand in, 
in God's presence is how you've treated that person. Um, and so I think to the extent that we are secular, um, we should retain that. That is going to be very important because um, I don't like the road that we go down if we lose that. I think that is probably the best way of describing you as well. So I do, even though you're like, this is a weird one to, to end on, spot on Todd, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate it because I think it's 100% factual. I see everything from a distance, obviously. So I don't know you. I'm not going to even pretend to like know your wife, your kids, your living situation well at all, just based on the conversations that we've had in the disc. That's like what I'm basing this on and these kinds of conversations. But the one thing that I can just say thank you for and show gratitude to you for is it, it for the, I don't want to use the words that you used, but like you are a champion of the loser. Like you are a, like you are a champion of those people who are downtrodden and struggle and you try to lift them up. And when I say that, I don't even specifically mean people who are regularly the losers. I can even in like specific situations where somebody is struggling with something that they're not nor normally they're this person that's elevated very, very highly, uh, high intelligence, whatever, but for whatever reason, they go into a low, um, you are regularly there. Um, and I'm very appreciative of that. Not to say that I'm like that intelligent person or whatever. I've seen it with other people who are far more intelligent than me in the abyss. And it's very heartwarming. And I also just love seeing you with your kids. Cause like, that's, I feel like a really great way of determining the amount of love that a person has is the way that they interact with their children, because the sure. amount of love and capacity for love that you have obviously increases with children that you have. So it's just going to make you a better citizen. Hopefully, generally speaking, overall, there are some people who I see who are terrible with their kids and they don't seem to enjoy them at all, but you're not one of yeah. them. <laughs> um, so, so thank you for that. Um, I think it was a wonderful conversation as always. I always feel elevated and pumped afterwards. So I hope that yeah. anyone that's listening to this uh, feels that that same way. Um, hope to have more conversations like this, not necessarily like religious based either, but I feel like yeah. I'm really, it's really easy for me to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, thanks a ton, Todd. The next time that we have something that we want to talk about, we hope you give it a listen. Don't waste your time commenting, and from the looks of it, nobody ever really spent any time commenting. Do subscribe so that you can always get the new pieces as they come in. That's really all that I have, because there's nothing else to say. Keep being better, and looking forward to chatting with you next time.